0: I'm going to actually claim those ladies for a second. They're kind of my cousins. (laughs) We're tangentially related somehow through our dads and grandpas and something, but I call them cousin because aren't they talented. Thank you for the worship team. Would you give it up for our worship team again? I'm Teresa, in case there's any confusion. I am the one that can twirl fire. We'll think about whether or not that's going to happen this afternoon or not. I am... Um, I get to serve here as the Vice President of Institutional Research and Effectiveness. Yes, my father was the mathematician. Uh, But I I graduated from Ozark back um, in the 90s. I love that line, Amy, from last night. I I graduated um, from back in the the 1900s. And... uh, Went on to be a children's minister for 15 years, and then kept going to school. I'm I'm a single female, never had kids of my own, unlike Amy, who has three kids and 71 other children. Um, I have, uh, but as a children's minister, I have lots of spiritual kids, which is great. I never have to pay for their college. <laughs> Amen. Some of you are now coming to uh, Amy's, going to come ask me to pay for her children to go to college. Uh, yeah, we can make out a deal or something, but. Uh, I uh, was working at a seminary uh, about seven, eight years ago and uh, actually one of my young ladies from the seminaries here uh, surprised me this weekend. And uh, about five years ago, I got a phone call from the dean here at Ozark and he said, Teresa, it's time to come home. I said, okay, and came back as a faculty member. I uh, teach a lot of the children's ministry classes here, some Christian education, some other courses here. And then um, about nine months ago, Uh, I showed my proficiency in mathematics and they asked me to to become the vice president of institutional research and effectiveness Which basically means I do everything nobody else wants to do at the college So uh, I look at data and I help us make decisions I'm running a lot of surveys and accreditation We're in the midst of an accreditation cycle here at Ozark and so I get to do all that fun stuff Um, which you all are thinking that's just got to be as boring as it sounds. It is, it is, but uh, I I get to mix that up. So I move from teaching a children's ministry course into sitting with data. It's a perfect day for me. Um, But I do love being back here at the college. I thank you ladies for coming and supporting this event and supporting the college through this. I love being home. I love being back here. I love the ladies um, and men I get to work with ladies more than the guys, but, um, and most of all, I love our female students. I love our guy students too, but can I just tell you that we've got some young women who are about to change the world, and um, yeah, (laughs) a lot of them live in Dennis Hall. Uh, Some live in, no, they live in Alumni and Goodman too, but, uh, and off campus, but I'm excited to be here and uh, be a part of this institution at this point in time because I believe the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few and i'm grateful for the workers We're getting to send out from here. So thank you for your support of ozark um, However, you you support this institution Um, This morning, I want to begin with we just sang a song about the indescribable nature of god and ended with um, The ladies playing for us how great thou art now we begin with this image When you think about the most beautiful thing you've ever seen Or maybe if your sight is impaired the most beautiful experience you've ever gotten to have What's the first thing that came to your mind? The most beautiful sight or the most Beautiful experience you've ever had what came to your mind turn to your neighbor and tell them what what came to your mind? Go ahead. Just right where you are turn to your neighbor and tell them of you mentioned a place like mountains or an ocean or a stream or a waterfall, right? How many of you mentioned a person like the birth of your child, the, the sight of your, you know, your daughter coming down the aisle as a bride or something like that? How many of you, some kind of experience you had, some place you got to go and the people you were with or or maybe just the still small voice of God? Well, I'd like for you to contemplate for a moment and if You'll turn in your notes to, we're going to be in John 4, um, and and so the notes there for the John 4 text. What do you believe because of what you have seen? What do you believe because of what you have seen or you've gotten to experience? Because of the beauty of creation or the beauty of the sight of a child, you know, uh, coming into the world or these experiences that you have. What do you believe because of what you have seen or experienced, take a moment, right where you are and and think about that. Write that down. What do you believe because of what you have seen or experienced because that 's going to be an important question for us this morning. One of my favorite sites, uh, one of the things I think about when asked you know. One of my favorite things experiences is um, the sight of my youngest brother um, I have two brothers. Douglas uh, is a professor here at Ozark. He's a couple years younger than me But kyle is the special one. Uh, there's a picture of us. I'm a little bit older than kyle 14 years to be exact um, My mom and dad had two kids and then we had a happy little family of four and then one day mom came in and said um, we're gonna have an addition i'm thinking bigger bedroom That's what she meant mom calls kyle the serendipity child. I call him oops But I love him and and I can't really imagine our family without him and he's one of my Favorite sights because he is so much younger than me um, I don't get to see him that often. I didn't get to see him grow up I came to school here and he hadn't gone to kindergarten yet yeah, and then i'm here and then I, I go into ministry and, and we never lived in the same town again Um, and so whenever I get to see him and be with him. It's a special experience for me. Um Four years ago, uh, kyle called me on the phone Which is a big deal, right? Because you know, boys don't call their moms or their older sisters nearly enough Um, and so he called me on the phone. So I knew something was up and he called me and he said, um, pretty quickly, I've got bad news. So my mind starts racing. Okay, you know, did you lose your job? Something going on? You know, what, what's happening? I could not have begun to imagine what he was about to tell me. In fact, he couldn't tell me. <laughs> this is how he told me. He said, I have what Lance Armstrong had. Now now kyle has I don't know that he's ever ridden a bike in his life. He did he's not a racer He didn't win the tour de france. So it's not that um I don't think he had a doping problem like lance armstein's And so my mind is going backwards and all of a sudden I realize what he's trying to tell me He can't even say the words. So I had to say him for him You have cancer And all I wanted to do in that moment was to see that kid He lived in California. I was in Tennessee. And all I wanted to do was see his face. He was 26. He was single. He was living on the north side of LA, working at a church. (laughs) He's a pastor. And all I wanted to do was see him. And over the next two weeks, we would discover that Kyle had stage 3B testicular cancer. And all I wanted to do was be with him And all I wanted to do was to make sure he was healed. And so I kind of understand, not exactly, but I kind of understand what a dad is feeling like in John chapter 4. So if you turn with me to John chapter 4, we're going to be starting in verse 46. There's a dad who's desperate about a child. John chapter uh, chapter 4 verse 46, it begins by telling us, that Jesus has returned to Cana. Well, we were just there last night with Amy. John chapter 2 is where Jesus performed the miracle of turning water into wine. And now Jesus has returned to Cana. And verse 46 continues and says, there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is about 15 miles away from Cana. So quite a distance in that day and time. And verse 47 goes on it says when this man heard that jesus had arrived in galilee from judea He went to him and he begged him to come and heal his son Who was close to death? Can you imagine what this dad is feeling? He is scared. He is desperate. He is searching. He is looking for anything for anyone to help him And it's probably not difficult for any of you in this room to put yourself in that man's position Because if you have been a parent, if you are a parent, you know how scary it is when your child is sick. Even if it's the most minor of things, it's scary. And if you're not a parent like myself, maybe it's been a brother or a sister or an aunt or an uncle or a friend, you know what it's like when someone is ill and you feel helpless to do anything about it. And that helplessness drives us to look for someone, something to put our faith in, to believe in. As Amy described for us last night, belief. To stretch ourselves out and to rest in something or someone. Because when we stretch out, we can be sure of this thing we call belief. Belief is the conviction based on testimony that something is true or someone is reliable. When we are desperate for something or someone to help us, we look for something to believe in. And as we saw in john two, the beginning of the disciples belief that theme is going to be carried all the way through john's gospel And as john's gospel focuses on this idea of belief This story here focuses not just on belief But on the limits that we sometimes place on our belief Let's return to the text. This father is not just any galilean instead It records for us that he's a royal official or a nobleman depending on your translation It means he is probably an agent of rome. He probably answers to king herod antipas who answers to the caesar in rome He is a roman official A little tension between the romans and the jews. Let's remember This man has power. He has authority. He has money. He has servants He has everything at his disposal except the ability to heal his son He's going to be searching for something that he does not have. And so he seeks out Jesus. And how does he know? Maybe, maybe he was in Cana for the wedding. Maybe he's heard stories about this man who can heal. We don't know how he knows. But what we do know is this man overcomes all of the barriers between himself and Jesus. He is a Roman official. This is a Jewish teacher. And he overcomes the barrier of being 15 miles away. And he comes to Cana because, according to verse 47, his child was ill to the point that he was close to death. And so this father, unable to restore his son's health, travels 15 miles. And he comes to Jesus and he asks him, please, come and heal. Between where we were last night, when Jesus turned the water into wine, And where we are this morning, Jesus has actually left Galilee. We know that Jesus travels down from Galilee, down to Judea, and he spends some time in Jerusalem. And then he comes back up north. He comes back up north through a text that's probably really familiar to you, ladies. In fact, you're probably a bit surprised we skipped it. There's a story in the beginning of John chapter 4 about a woman who's sitting at a well in Samaria. And... What we know about this woman is that she is the Samaritan woman and she's had a difficult life. And she goes to tell everyone about this man that she has met. And according to John chapter 4 verse 42 it says, Then they, the Samaritans, said to this woman who was at the well, We no longer believe just because of what you've said. We now have heard for ourselves and we know that this man Jesus really is the Savior of the world. The, the Samaritans believe in Jesus just by his word, by the word of this woman's testimony. And now Jesus has traveled further north into Galilee, where he is from. And he grew up not far from there in Nazareth. And he, and um, Luke, it tells us that Jesus is rejected at Nazareth. He's rejected by his own people. And so when he responds to the father, he has in the back of his mind, I just left Samaria. I just left Samaria where I'm not from. I'm not one of those people. They believe in me. And here I am back. And what do you need? According to verse 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. Unlike the people of Samaria who believe by his word, the Galileans need something more than just words to believe in. But this father persists. He continues to plead because he's not need, he doesn't need a sign, he needs a miracle. And it's not just any miracle. He has a little boy that is sick and is close to death. And so he pleads with him, sir, come down before my child dies. And notice the two things that he does to the belief that he has. He believes that Jesus can heal. But look at the two limits he places on that belief. Please come with me to see my son before he dies. He has belief. But he believes that, that can, the healing can only happen if Jesus lays eyes on this child and if that happens before the child passes away. And this royal official is a lot like us. We believe. Almost. We believe, but we've, we've placed these limits on our belief. We're a lot more like the people of Galilee than the people of Samaria. We're looking for the sign and the wonder. And we don't always just take Jesus at his word. Now, some of you in this room have gotten to see the blessing of a miracle. You have seen someone get healed. You have seen someone overcome addiction. Maybe it was yourself. You've seen someone get that job or you yourself have gotten that job or that money at just the right time. You've been protected from danger. Something has happened that has bolstered your belief. You believe because of what your eyes have gotten to see. (laughs) And with my own eyes, (laughs) I got to see Kyle healed. I got to go for two weeks um, after his diagnosis of cancer, and I got to go and sit next to the bed that he was in while he was getting chemo. And this chemo drug is slowly dripping through this IV. It was a specific kind of drug that Kyle was taking It's a drug called cisplatin. Cisplatin was discovered um, in the late 1960s by a woman named Loretta Van Camp. And um, Loretta Van Camp was a a researcher at Michigan State University. She was actually searching for the cure for the common cold. There's a picture of Loretta for you. Um, And happened upon a treatment for cancer. Not just any cancer, testicular cancer. Back in the 50s and 60s, um, if a guy got testicular cancer, the chances were that he would die. Um, 5% cure rate at that point. And Loretta discovers cisplatin, she brings it in the market, and all of a sudden the cure rate goes up to about 80%. And so this woman healed my brother. But this isn't just any woman. Loretta is my grandmother's sister, she's my great aunt. My great-aunt cured her nephew while my mom babysat her kids. <laughs> yeah. I, I get to believe because I've gotten to see, and I am thankful to say that Kyle is well, he is married, and he has had a child. <laughs> I'm an aunt. And, and it is a beautiful thing. I believe because I have seen... Um, the Greek word for belief, pistuo is found 90 times in John's gospel. And one of the final times that Jesus uh, that we hear this word belief is when Jesus appears to the 11 disciples at the end of the gospel of John. But the first time that Jesus appears, there's only 10 disciples there. One's missing, Thomas. And so Thomas becomes famous for doubt. He becomes famous because... Um, He doesn't believe that jesus really resurrected from the dead He says I need to see him I need to put my fingers in his side and see the nail prints And so jesus makes thomas wait eight days Eight days later jesus finally appears to thomas and when he does thomas exclaims my lord and my god And in john chapter 20 verse 29 jesus says You believe because you have seen me Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. I believe because I've gotten to see things like my youngest brother healed. Blessed are you who believe without seeing. Silas Martin, his mom Gloria, believes without seeing. I met Silas and Gloria when I was a children's minister in Illinois. Um, Silas was just a little preschooler. He just had this light and life in him from the time he was very little. It's like one of those kids that you think, this is kind of born with the Holy Spirit. And I remember one day that he had something important to tell me and I had knelt down in front of him and he grabbed my face with his hands to tell me something sweet. After I had moved away, I found out that Silas had brain cancer and For the rest of his life, he would struggle. They thought he was cured and then he wasn't and they sought the best treatment. Um, I know these women and these churches and Facebook groups that prayed over Silas and his mom day after day after day after day after day. But Silas didn't, he wasn't healed on this side. A few years ago, just before Christmas, Silas passed away from that cancer, and I was in communication with Gloria about all of that, and she said to me, I believe that Silas is healed, I just can't see him yet. Blessed are you who believe, even though you cannot see. On your sheets there, I've asked you to consider, what do you believe? Because your eyes have seen And what have you experienced in your own life um, That maybe places limits on your belief Um, Bring those to God right now What do you believe because you have seen with your own eyes And what limits do you place on your belief And as you consider that Grace is going to lead us in a song about blessing the Lord, whether we see or not see. And then I'll tell you the rest of the story. Go with him. He says, Please come with me. My son is about to die. And Jesus doesn't go. Instead, verse 50, Jesus answered the request with, Go home, and your son will live. And before seeing the sign, before seeing the wonder, the official, the Roman official, believes. And his belief is demonstrated by his actions. Verse 50. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And he turns towards home, the 15 miles he's going to have to walk between Cana and Capernaum. Can you imagine every step? He told me to go. He told me my son will live. Does he look back? Does he think, I, I got to go back and get him. I got to bring him with me because he's got to see my son. I, Well, The text doesn't tell us that it just says he goes And with no proof No confirmation that jesus is speaking the truth. He does as jesus commands and according to verse 51 and 52 It's not until the next day. He knows That jesus is true to his word as the servant greets him along the road. He hears the news that his son is not only alive He's healed And that the healing took place at the very moment that Jesus said, go. And he leaves. Blessed are you who believe. And your belief has been strengthened by a miracle. Share your story. Let it encourage those who hear it. But blessed are you who believe without having seen. And especially for those of you in this room who are praying, who have continued to pray maybe for years about something you haven't seen yet or that you're not going to get to see this side of heaven. May your belief, your hope, your trust inspire others who also have to wait until they get to see it with their own eyes. May this belief lead you to trust the Word of Christ, to go, to follow, to take the leap, to trust what He says, to move, to step out of the boat, to... Act because belief, a conviction of our hearts stretched out on Jesus, leads us to action. Let's pray, ladies. God, we thank you for this man who shows us what it is to truly believe in you, to believe you at your word without the sign, without the wonder. Blessed are these who have seen your signs and wonders, but blessed are these who who believe even without seeing. God, give us your eyes to see that you have so much more in store for us than what our eyes can see. But thank you for what our eyes can because it it increases our faith. We thank you for the story of this man. We thank you for the gospel of John. In your name we pray.